Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, Ollie Mann here with another bonus edition of the Media Podcast. Away from the sessions getting headlines at this year's Edinburgh TV Festival, there was one session many delegates we bumped into mentioned as their highlight. It was called How Not to Pitch a Show and featured some big names from commissioning and TV indies confessing their worst moments to an audience of execs and programme makers. And here it is, in full, for you to cringe at in shock and horror. The session was chaired by Alex Connor. Managing Director for Shine North and it contains strong language and remember, this is the TV industry some terms are used that you may find offensive you have been warned So welcome to How to Not to Pitch a Show. What a great turnout. That's fantastic. Thank you all for coming. Um, I'm Alex Connock. I think what we can probably all agree on one thing in this room is that we are all creative geniuses whose, whose very, um, very conception should be immediately bought and circulated around the world. But of course, the reality is the world doesn't think of us that way. The world thinks of us essentially as car salesmen who have to sell stuff for a living. And that's what this session is really about. It's about the brutal... Um, unmitigated horror of actually having to try and sell things to people, and possibly even worse, having to listen to people sell things to you. Um, uh, so it's about the pitfalls of the pitch, and we have four top experts here to impart their wisdom to us. First of all, we have Saida Itali from um, Commissioning Editor for Entertainment at Channel 4, um, famed for her no-nonsense style, as I can personally attest, especially when faced with bad pitches. How often do you get a bad pitch? Um, about 50%. I'm, good. I'm being good. nice. <laughs> Uh, next, we have Jonathan Stadden, who's uh, MD of uh, independent producer Knickerbocker Glory, famous, of course, for Pineapple Dance and Boomtown. Um, uh, the man most mentioned when we asked around the industry for bad pitch stories, interestingly. <laughs> I, I, I Last, two years ago, I was on this, and it was this, um, uh, what's the worst TV show you've ever made? And now I've just been brought back for, like, what's the worst pitch you've done? There's a sort of running theme. We need to specialise. Yeah. Um, Mark Lindsay, head of entertainment at the BBC, takes over 700 pitch meetings a week. Oh, more. Um, more. <laughs> most of them from our fourth guest, Karen Smith, uh, MD of uh, Tuesday's Child Television, producer of The Fabulous, You're Back in the Room, and No Stranger to the Big Pitch. So I thought we'd just start, um, really, by, by getting into the horror stories. You, you kind of think of it as a pre-title. And um, 
Karen, I suppose you, you, you're hand in glove with the BBC. You've been in and out of there all your career. Does that mean when you go to BBC pitches, everything goes smoothly? No. Um, <laughs> what we tried to be is memorable, and it was um, something a colleague of mine, Richard Hopkins, um, who's sadly no longer with us, start with a downer, um, said when I, we used to run in-house entertainment is that we were the wife and everyone else was the mistress, so we had to work extra hard to be sexy, and um, sometimes we took that too literally, and that's kind of stayed with me, so there's lots of, of stories from those days that Mark remembers. Um, and more uh, recently, as an indie, um, again, you feel, you know, you're pitching an entertainment show, put on a show, bring it to life, and I'm sure I'm only sitting on this panel because it's produced by Will Spokes, who used to work for me, so this is a mild form of revenge, and I'm sure a lot of you are only here because you can smell a whiff of ritual humiliation, because Martin Freeman's upstairs, for fuck's sake. Why are you here? <laughs> um, so um, the, the, the story the guys wanted to, uh, me to start with was um, a pitch to uh, Danny Cohen, so it already been through Mark, and Mark very kindly invited us to pitch to Danny. And um, Danny and I have a little bit of history, because when I launched um, the games on Channel 4, he weirdly, even though being in charge of documentaries, was the commissioner. And we'd had a massive row in uh, the truck because, uh, when Mel C's leg was broken by Miss World. And um, Danny thought I was a disgusting creature because I sent a crew in the ambulance. <laughs> purely to check that she was OK, but also to get a little message at the end to say, in the cast, I'm all right, Miss World didn't break me. Um, but it, <laughs> Danny took it very seriously. And he kept listening to the break, and it was all very hideous. But we made it up, and we've got on since then. And so most recently, we were pitching a show to him. And it was that, it's that horrible room. You've got horrible, horrible rooms in mm. Brooklyn. It's just ridiculous. Um, and it's that kind of round one that they think looks like a, a uh, at home watching telly. Um, and uh, we had a prop waiting outside that we couldn't stop. Um, particularly when Danny started, hi Karen, how are you? How was your weekend? Um, oh, we had people around Karen, and you know, it's bad enough when they bring their kids and invited, but oh, they brought a dog. It's just disgusting having a dog in there. I was like, oh my God, I've got a dog about to come <laughs> uninvited into your television living room. Um, so that was the start of that pitch. Yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And the dog was in a costume. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> yeah. It had a little cape yeah. and it had rhinestones on it. And it was Ian Critchley's dog, Jackie and Assis, yeah. so it couldn't have been a camper dog. The dog you paid the dog a fee, didn't you? No. no. But I remember that pitch very well. And I think that's the point. You remember most of yeah. Karen's pitches. And uh, <laughs> you did one with uh, Synchronised Swimmer. Yeah. I remember, and you got an eyeful of a synchronised swimmer. That, oh God. that was a pitch off, and so I went my most uncompetitive when uh, there are three companies and they've all got similar ideas, so it's a fight. So um, I sent an AP to learn how to synchronise swim, because I always think what you have to do is take away, um, take away their arguments before they can make it, and their first argument would be, can you get to a competitive level? Yes, because we made a research AP do it. Uh, she lost her dress size in six weeks, so she was happy. Um, and then the next thing is, is it entertaining? So you cut together a great tape and all that kind of thing. And then how do you bring it to life? And so we um, booked some synchronised swimmers. But what we hadn't thought through is that the pitch was going to be in a basement room in the old television centre with no lights, no space, and an enormous table, which wasn't an awful lot of room to do synchronised swimming. And synchronised swimming is very hard to do without actually being in water. So <laughs> And mostly men don't do it, but we'd made this man <laughs> come in speedos, again rhinestone, and the girl in a swimsuit, and they had to do their moves, but the only place they could <laughs> do yeah, their moves the was on the table. Which is literally about there. Legs akimbo <laughs> in, in Mark's yeah, face. I loved it. And at the end, <laughs> there was this kind of deathly silence, and Katie Taylor just said, 
at least she tidied her lady garden. <laughs> and they commissioned it. I left and it didn't get made, but you did buy it. Yeah, yeah, no, we, I, I was, it got my tick. But that's, um, we, you know, you do, but joking apart, you do look forward to Karen's pitch because you know that she's going to bring the, light, the format to life and she'll be very articulate about the show and she has reasoned a lot of arguments before she comes into the room. But um, we do get a lot of pitches with, involved dressing up. I don't know that because that's about me or my team or because we're in entertainment. And I think my favourite was celebrity bullfighting. <laughs> yeah, you know what's coming. The, uh, the development team did come dressed as bullfighters and it was quite early days in my, in my uh, job as controller and they did ask me to be the bull. And, uh, <laughs> and instead of going... You know, handing over to Carl or Sean, who was ever with me. You know, I said, yeah, I'll do that. And it was all about showing the techniques of bullfighting. But that's, that's, uh, but we get a lot of, you know, doctors, people dressing up as doctors. And we get a lot they of, lot of that. to kill a bull on BBC One. It wasn't so much, we weren't going to kill a bull, but we were going to, uh, they were going to demonstrate the, the difficult techniques and the choreography <laughs> around bullfighting. We didn't commission it. So, so, so Saida, taking these pictures like Mark does, do people, do people show you respect? Uh, yes, uh, there was one occasion when I first started, I was, I was the first female in the entertainment department for quite a long time when I first started, so I, you know, started to meet all the indies and kind of get to know them, and they started to pitch to me, and this one very powerful male exec producer, um, you could all probably guess, uh, came in to say hello, and then pitched me this idea, which wasn't very good, it was quite, quite old-fashioned. And I said, oh, yeah, it's probably not the direction we're going in. It's quite old-fashioned. And he looked at me and he went, oh, I see what the problem is. And I said, what? He said, I probably need to pitch this to one of your colleagues because it's really funny, but it's, like, male funny. <laughs> and it's not girl funny, so I don't think you're going to get it. So you can imagine, if you've ever pitched to me, you can imagine how that went down. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, he didn't get commissioned. Jonathan, let's let's kick let's finish the kickoff uh, stories with your first ever pitch. Surely that would have that would have been sort of a slow burn into the industry. Yeah, I'm, uh, well, I'm sorry if you've heard this story before, but it seems to sort of follow me around. But my first ever pitch was um, uh, with my then boss, who was pitching at, uh, um, to this lady, and we were sitting on a sofa, and she was at her desk, and. Um, during the pitch, the commissioner was just staring quite avidly at my crotch, and I thought I'd heard that women in TV were like quite proactive, but I thought this is like quite extreme. So I, <laughs> I, I, look, I looked over at my boss. He was still pitching. Where I checked my flies, it was all fine. But when I turned back, she was sort of like wincing in her chair, like, and um, I thought there's something really, really gone wrong here. And I just put my hands down um, uh, into my crotch area, and because I, I cycled everywhere, the inside of my jeans had just completely split, and my left testicle had popped out. <laughs> it, it hadn't... It wasn't, it, it wasn't just popped out, it was ballooning and purple, and because it had popped out and then I sat down, the blood had got cut off, so it had gone numb, and I started desperately trying to push it back in, at which point... She didn't. I don't think she thought it was Tesco. It looked like some sort of Korean nuclear explosion in the sea. And um, I didn't see her again for two years. And I was at RDF. I saw her, and um, I said, "Oh, hello." And she just—you could just see the Tesco cogs slowly sort of turning <laughs> in her head. And um, funnily enough, we didn't get that commission. Um, that's a shame. So, of course, no, no TV pitch these days is complete without a completely spurious and bolted-on interactive element. And um, everybody's been there. 
they never get made, by the way, the interactive elements, but, but we're, we're looking for some interaction today. So if you go on the Edinburgh Festival app, you can um, submit your own horrible pitch story. And uh, there's a complimentary prize of no fewer than three Snickers bars for the best story that we've submitted. So please send them in and we'll, we'll look at them at the end. So just to, just to recap, you go to take part at the bottom and then to how not to pitch a show and then you put your little story in and submit it. We really would love to hear the stories because I'm sure there's some great ones. So let's, let's talk about the pitch process itself. You've got a great idea. You're ready to pitch it. The meeting's in the diary. Um, what are the best ways to use that hour? Let's set the scene by hearing from one producer, Ian Wimbush. Massive pitch for ITV, biggest pitch I'd ever done. John K. Cooper, Elaine Bedell. We thought we were onto an absolute winner, mainly because John had come to us and said, please pitch us a magic show with this presenter who also happens to be a magician. And it was all poised. We'd done all the development. We were at the final meeting where we, maybe in our minds, we thought it's just kind of a rubber stamp. What we hadn't counted on was the presenter, who's also a magician, wanting to perform three or four tricks during the pitch to illustrate his skills and what he could do. Unfortunately, he could do none of the tricks that he'd pre-rehearsed, and every single one fell flat on its face. My God, we walked out of there and never been more convinced that we hadn't got a show commissioned. Um, it was truly awful. Did you get the trailer? No. <laughs> so, Saida, should you take the talent to the pitch? That's the key question. I think not in the first meeting. I think, I think the ideas are king when you're trying to um, pitch a show. And it's really hard to sit in a meeting with a bit of talent the very first time you've ever heard an idea and go, yeah, that's a really good idea, but I really... I don't like them, <laughs> so... Or whatever. So I think, I think once you've kind of... Once you've established that that's the talent you want and, you, you know, you, you want to go forward with it, then I think it's fine. But it's really uncomfortable. I don't think you can have a, a proper, honest conversation, particularly with talent in the room the first time. But isn't it also the case that sometimes you can just turn up with the talent and say, I've got Paddy McGannis, and they'll say, whatever it is, we'll take it. Peter Kay, oh, yeah, commission. Irrespective of the idea. I like to think the idea is really important alongside the talent. So I, I, that's what I do. So Mark, Mark, um, when, when people come to you do, you, do you, do you want to see just the top executives? Do you want to see the talent? Do you want to see the whole team? Who do you want to see? Well, I mean, sometimes it's unavoidable. If, if you've got a, a big talent who wants to pitch you an idea and you're working with a big agent, you have to take the meeting. It's, it's unavoidable. Uh, but I, I would agree, if it is talent, ideally, you'd, that, that would be your second meeting. And... You know, it can be un uh, it's, it's unavoidable and, and often it's regrettable when they're there and it depends on, on the pitch. But um, uh, it can be useful to have the talent. It depends on the idea. You know, if it's a comedy end idea, then it's good to have the talent. Although I do remember once um, taking a pitch with a, a brilliant uh, comedian from the 80s and he wanted to meet, um, he was doing a gig and he wanted to meet the next morning in, in his hotel room. And uh, so, uh, uh, you know, he was from the 80s, so I took an exec with me. And uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, so we did, we, we took the pitch in his, uh, in his bedroom, which was pretty unkempt. It was a bit of a mess, and the three of us, there no, there's nowhere to sit, so the three of us had to sit on the edge of his bed. It was all a bit uncomfortable <laughs> and a bit embarrassing and at one stage he said when he goes to the toilet he's quite a while in the toilet and then he came out <laughs> and he the smell told us that he'd been there for a number two not a number one so it was all a bit um uncomfortable to say the least but i have to say it was a good idea and we we wanted to pitch the idea 
But you, uh, yeah, no talents. Uh, it's it's a tricky one having talent. In what about the production team? Do you want to see the whole team, just the top people? Well, we we do try and encourage uh, uh, top developers or producers to bring their juniors with them. You know, we like to hear we like them to hear from the horse's mouth what we're doing. We like to meet the junior creatives in in their team. Uh, I mean, my advice would be, don't leave them on their own to pitch. You know, we have had junior members who you know can be quite a we try and make them as relaxed as possible, but they can be quite anxious. And, you know, we've had people who have virtually fainted during the pitch <laughs> or have sweated so much. And this is God's honest truth. We've had to stop the pitch to get them some paper towels <laughs> to uh, mop them down, you know. So, so we do... It is great to bring juniors in because it's good for them to experience. But do, you know, if you're a senior uh, producer in that team, do support them in their pitch. Karen, what about members of your family? Is that a good, is that a good idea? Uh, not historically. Um, we, uh, <laughs> my husband still doesn't think it's funny. Um, we, um, again, we did a big pitch. Um, it was called Scouting for Boys. And um, it's another bit of gold as you let slip through your fingers. Yeah. Um, it was 100 years of, of the scouting movement, so a big celebrity show. Uh, they go to Brownlee Island and um, they live at scou as scouts. There's then a, a team of, of real scouts. They're competing in all sorts of scouting activities. It was at the time when Dangerous Book for Boys and all that kind of thing were big. And uh, they phone in now and they can go out and do bobber jobs and things. And we thought, OK, we're going to really bring this to life and, and build a scout camp. And again, we ended up with a really shitty little room in the basement of... Um, of Broadcasting House, and um, <laughs> they had a tent that they couldn't pitch because there was carpet, so there was this flaccid tent in the corner, and I made my <laughs> husband um, <laughs> and Sherpa, Ian Holland, um, some people know, wear scout, <laughs> scout uniforms. <laughs> and, <laughs> sorry, give out um, Kendall Mint Cake. <laughs> but they started the whole thing with the, yeah. with the scout salute and things. But it suddenly became apparent that they didn't want it, but we were trapped, and <laughs> you couldn't get out. And it was really so it was close and really in your face. Yeah. But Alan Yentov, for some reason, um, loved that idea. Yeah, he's obsessed with that. He is, and he <laughs> kept calling me up for like months afterwards saying, can't we need to get him? Yeah. They don't want it. They really, really yeah. don't want it. My husband's barely speaking to me. <laughs> Mark's mortified. They're not mm. going to buy it. And I still think, similar to testicles, every time Alan sees me, he thinks, scouting for boys. <laughs> <laughs> how, how many people should you take, Saida? Um... As many as you need, less is more. I don't think you should ever spend the first 15 minutes of any pitch meeting just saying hello to the people in the room. I think that's probably a bad idea. So I think it's always quite odd to have a lot of people because I think it's, you know, like over 10. Let's say double figures because I think it makes it difficult to have a good, honest conversation. But I think you should bring as many people as you think you need who are going to be involved in the idea. And what about pitching shows, not just to commissioners, but also to talent? Um, Jonathan, you, you've commissioned someone in the news business, haven't you? Yeah, when I was working at RDF, they used to have this huge boardroom, and um, they used to have a development team of 18 people. So when a talent or a commissioner came in, 18 people would sit around the table and like, we'd all have to... It was really weird. Also, it's quite sort of threatening if you're a commissioner to come in and get sort of bombarded by these people. Anyway, um, we had Trevor McDonald come in, and he was sitting at the head of the table, and um, I was given this idea to go and pitch to him. As I was walking into the room with this piece of paper, walk in, sit down, and I'm looking, I'm like, no, no, there's something wrong here. So I checked my boss, and he's like, no, that's good, good. And um, anyway, it comes to me, and so it's like, Jonathan, what's your idea for Trevor McDonald? And it's like, it's called Trevor McDonald's Slave Ship. And I was like, <laughs> what's that? And um, 
the, the idea was Trevor McDonald goes to Africa, gets lots of Africans onto a slave ship and rows back round the slave route to see what it was like being a slave. And he looked at me like and was waiting for something else. And then he just started shuffling his papers and said, I think I want to do current affairs. And um, that was it. And then there was this, like, this whole sort of like tumbleweed in the room and we were all sitting there shitting ourselves. Yeah. <laughs>
where I think, you know, we have different types of meetings where you can say we're going to brainstorm some top lines, you know, come in with some themes, with some ideas, and let's chew the fat. But if it's a pitch meeting where they're coming and saying we've got some ideas to pitch to you, no more than three. But is it ever slightly embarrassing if someone comes in with a kind of 27-page PowerPoint and a sizzle reel and all the rest of it, and then you just go, yeah, but the problem is I fundamentally didn't like the idea at all from the top? Yeah, but I think we have to get over that, actually, on a serious note. And sometimes you know, we book the hour, and if the meeting's 20 minutes, it's 20 minutes. Mm. Um, we try and we do say, look, you know, one of the reasons we say, let's, let's look at your top lines or let's look at areas so we can avoid that. We don't want you guys doing reams and reams of work and then for us to go, do you know what, we just commissioned that three days ago or we're not looking for monkey tennis. And you've done a lot of development. So we do try mm. and avoid that by saying, you know, send us your top lines before taking an actual pitch meeting. Because last year we did the sizzle reel session and I think everybody learned a lot from that. We saw the, the fantastic 50 ways to kill your mummy sizzle reel last year. Do you think sizzle reels are critical for getting shows sold today? Um, I think where the tone and attitude of the channel is important, yes, because then it, it might give you a sense that this uh, development team understand that. Uh, I don't think it's essential, you know, it still has to be a neat idea. What about you, Say? Did you like reels, sizzles? I love reels. Um, I, I, I don't think you need to have them to sell an idea, but I think sometimes it's really helpful. We're a visual medium, and I think if you can put something down on a tape that sort of just explains what you're trying to do, it's just really helpful to get a proper set of it, especially in entertainment, I think, because everything's such a kind of, you know, tiny kind of idea in your brain that you can't explain. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's easier to explain it on tape, so I, I quite like tape. Well, the but worst I, thing is, sorry to interrupt, the worst thing, because you didn't ask me, the worst thing is when you've got a PowerPoint and the person comes in and just, and, reads, the and just reads the bloody I PowerPoint. <laughs> I hate that. It's so annoying. Oh. And also, there's a pregnant pause after each page, so yeah. they'll do this. They'll go, you go, how not to pitch a show? <laughs> Next page. Um, this is the first chapter. <laughs> and, and, what, and what I really I want to, to name someone who's actually had a lot of success. And, but I won't. But, they, but they've come in Do with it. their PowerPoint and just read the bloody PowerPoint. The other thing that I think is really important not to do in a pitching session is to pitch ideas that are already on the channel. That's quite um, useful. I know that um, yeah. Jill Wilson, see here at the front, uh, told me how uh, someone came in when uh, the Dawn Porter vintage uh, show was on who basically pinched and said, Dawn Porter's really interested in vintage fashion. You should do that. I think Jill just went, get out. And that, that was it. I mean, know, know what's on the channel. It's helpful. And how, how easy is it to just say no? Does it get easier with time or is it embarrassing? I find it really easy. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I just think if you don't like it in the room, just say it. It's much easier. It's, ki it's kinder to mm. say no in the room than to go, oh, yeah, it's a really good idea. Come back and do some more work. No, I, I don't have a problem with that. Yep. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, producers say they encourage you to say no, but when you actually do get to say no, they go, oh, Really? Okay. Yeah, it's, you know, as long as you can give a, a sentence as yeah. to why. But yeah, it's much more useful to say no, so we can all move on. And, exactly. uh, but you do get people who you know, say, yeah, I know you just said no, but and they'll go back in. You know. An honest answer, if someone sends you a sizzle reel, how many seconds do you watch? All of it. Really? Yeah, unless it's a one and a half hour sizzle reel. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch all of it. And you? Well, yeah, unless it's a, you know, in the first sort of minute, you know, it's an idea you don't want. So. Interesting. Jonathan, have you ever said the wrong thing in a pitch? Uh, I have. 
um, said the wrong in the pitch. Yep. Um, um, what I find is quite alarming about this is that there are people taking notes about this. Which <laughs> and also, we were all shitting ourselves before you came in. We were all scanning the room for, like, are the people we're talking about actually yeah. here? Yeah. And, then, and then they put the lights down and more people come and say, you're sort of, like, pitching in the dark, which is really bad. Um, I, had to, I had to go uh, to a channel, and we were pitching an idea called Flabberinas. And Flabberinas uh, was... Um, uh, fat, 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 fat women try to like themselves and learn about themselves through the medium of ballet at the Royal Ballet School, which you may laugh at, but turned into <laughs> recent... This was like 10 years ago, but now Wayne Sleep's Big Ballet on ITV. Monkey tends to be done one day. Anyway, so I, I was going to pitch Flabberinas, and I, was, I, I had never met this um, commissioner. So the, the, point, the point of this thing is do your research. Anyway, this commissioner um, turned up, and um, she's very lovely not mentioning any names, but she is not a sort of stick insect. And um, I, was, I was sitting in the room waiting, and I heard this sort of, like, thud, thud, thud coming down the thing. And um, uh, down she sat on the sofa that almost broke. And um, so the meeting was going really, really well. And she goes, so you've, you've, you want to come in to talk about this idea? We had, like, half an hour sort of chat that you do. And I think commissioners do half an hour chat, so if they hate your idea, they just... They haven't got to sort of, like, leave after ten minutes. Anyway, half an hour chat, she says, what's your idea? And I said, yeah, it's really good. It's called Fleur. <laughs> <laughs> and I had, I suddenly got what I was going to do, and I just completely panicked. And I was got, went completely blind panic. And I said, it's called Spastics Can't Dance. <laughs> and, um, and she's like, she's like I, I'm sorry. I said, I said, I don't mean spastics like proper spastics. I mean, like, maybe you touch the downs or, like, you know, they're dribbling or they've got helmets on. At which point she, she had this notebook, like you've got, that she was writing. She just closed the notebook. And, um, and that, that was it. <laughs> However, <laughs> that show... On BBC Three was dancing on turned into dancing on wheels. I mean, spastics can't dance. Was dance? It, it's not that, but it was 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 dancing on wheels. I'm sure it wasn't pitched in quite the same way. I was going to make an official BBC complaint. Yeah, you saw Okay, so we've done powerpoints and sizzles. Let's do um, let's do props and stunts, uh, which I think are very much of the of the minute. Let's have a look at a tape on that. I was pitching a show to BBC Three, to Carl Warner, and it was basically like a limo firm in Ibiza. The idea was we were going to launch a limo service in Ibiza and then follow people around as they hired them and the stories, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so what I thought was, I'll hire a limo and pitch the show to Carl in the back of a limo. This producer, um, uh, <laughs> Joe Mace, um, came with, like, and pitched me in a limo, which is sort of very odd, because. Like I've, I've, I've sort of doubted my sexuality over the years, but like it, was, it was sort of like coming on to me in a pitch, in the back of this limo. But actually, when you try and hire a limo for an hour in London's West End, they basically just think you're hiring it for sex. So when they turned up, that, and me and Carl got in the back of this limo, and I said, I'll oh, just drive round for an hour, <laughs> the man who was driving it was just gave me that look, which was, I'm not going to ask it. It got me in, and I can't remember what the idea was, but it just smelled of sort of sex in this car. Which is a tip. Don't, if you're going to pitch anywhere, make sure it smells like success and not like prostitutes. <laughs> I didn't get that show. Karen, Karen, you seem to be our expert on, on props and stunts. When does it work? When's it really paid off for you? Um, strictly. Um... Uh, again, uh, we knew the barrier to um, selling Strictly was is dancing, entertaining. 
are people going to watch it? Um, and uh, the thing was, um, we hadn't explored the professional dancers yet, but so we just got some really um, <laughs> scrubby, chubby salsa dancers from Shepherd's Bush. But um, their impact when they came in in all of their gear as a surprise in the middle of the pitch and, and, and gave it large in people's faces, um, getting them out again was, was, was the tricky bit. But it suddenly brought it to life. And actually, yes, dance is entertaining. Um, and, uh, God, we must have done that pitch about eight, nine, ten times, because then in every new territory you then had to, to prove it again, um, uh, including to um, BBC Worldwide, who said it would never sell. It's now the biggest format in the world. They said only the British do um, ballroom dancing. Uh, no, they don't. Um, so, yeah, so it really worked for Strictly. And by the time you came to do it in, in Hollywood for the American one, had you really got it down, and did you use good dancers? And... <laughs> there were good dancers by then, yeah. Bless those sorts of dancers. I bet it's a big story for them. Yes. Would be that they, I don't know what their names are, but bless you, whoever you are. Yeah. And so, Ida, is Channel 4 too cool for people to come in with props and stunts, or do people do that to you? No, no, they come in. Um, one of the best props we have had was the cardboard box with letterboxes cut out and pound coins also taped up to do million pound drop, and that brought that to life, and that was really good. But I have, I, I've, the best story I've heard, it's not a props one, it's a gimmick one, was um, this commissioning editor from another channel um, who got a, a pitch from a producer. A producer had come up with this idea. It was a kind of this surveillance game show where, you know, you kind of watch, you don't realise you're being watched and you pick up the phone and you have to answer questions and there's money. You know, it's sort of like the game. And, um, and this producer decided the best way to pitch that idea was to do the game on the commissioning editor. So he arranged with his exec to put, like, a £10 note taped under the desk and he phoned up this commissioning editor... <laughs> on his landline and said, um, well, I'll call him Alex Connick for the purposes of this, just went, Alex Connick. And the official went, yes, who's it? Alex Connick, I'm watching you. <laughs> and he's like, who is this and why are you phoning me? We went, I see you're wearing a lovely blazer. Um, how's your daughter? And then said the, the guy's daughter's name. And the commissioner freaked out and went, I don't know who you are, but I'm, gonna, I'm getting the police on the phone now. It's like, call the police, call the police. The producer just put the phone down and never explained it. So to this day, I'm not sure that commissioning editor knows that that was meant to be a pitch. Although he probably will now. Yeah. Mark, Mark, do you see a lot, of, a lot of stunts, props? Yeah, I mean, I had a... Um, I went out to have uh, just a lunch with an agent, and uh, it was John Nolan, actually. And uh, I did, you know, I just thought it was going to be pleasant lunch and all that. And then what, it, what the lunch was actually about was Lee Francis pitching his latest character to me. And uh, that was in a busy restaurant. And then what unfolded was a kind of scenario that this character, apparently this character and I had been in an argument for, and it sort of carried on into this restaurant. So <laughs> it, that was really embarrassing. I, sort of, I should have known better, but it was... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Lee carried it off really, really well. Me, less so. But uh, So, yeah, we get a lot of stunts, you know, as I said before, people dressing up. Uh, we do get um, character comedians coming through the door dressed in their character, and uh, that's quite... You have to embrace it and let your inhibitions go and just go with it. You don't okay. really do your butt clenches. As your butt clenches, and yeah. it's even worse when you're with a channel controller because you know they're going to think... You did this. I did this too, <laughs> you know. I remember once Lee, Lee Mack pitched me a show where it was called Evolution. I actually loved it. Well, it was a quiz show where you'd start uh, with the professor. 
and he would, if you beat the professor, then you'd go down, and then, you know, you go down to, like, a 12-year-old 12, 12 kid, and you had to beat the kid in the quiz, and then you ended up playing this monkey. <laughs> and then if you could beat the monkey, you know, you'd win the money sort of thing. And I thought this was a fantastic idea. I was probably taken in by Lee Mack. You know, and then I pitched it on to Jay Hunt, who... Well, you can imagine Jay's reaction. But, uh, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, called, it's called evolution. And when you, when it you, never got made. Karen, when you did your back in the room, uh, did, did you do some hypno stuff on, on the commissioners? No, I, I accidentally punched Claire during the pitch, though. Um, <laughs> you know, I was getting so carried away trying to explain it and doing, you know, and the, the hypnotist, la, 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 and, going, and in the end, actually, punched her in the arm. Still commissioned it. Um, no, don't do it. No, that's far too risky. Far too risky. I would never take the talent into a pitch. I can't be trusted. You've done, you've done stump pitches, haven't you? Yeah, but I, I, I think um, the, the times that that's happened has definitely never worked, and I've never done it myself. But I mean, when I was an AP at RDF, again, there's 18 people and Ben Frow. I didn't see, the, I didn't see Ben Frow since that time. Um, but he sat at the end of the table, and Grant Mansfield, um, uh, I got back from holiday, and he said, right, we're pitching this show called Naked Office Holiday, which, interestingly, then did get made, like, years later, um, by someone else. Um, and he said, so we're going to go and pitch this in an innovative way, was his words, and you're going to wear speedos and a mask and snorkel and flippers, and we're going to put you in a photocopy cupboard, and you'll wait there until it's your time to come in. The runner will come and get you, then you walk into the room, and you open your PowerPoint, and you pitch the thing. So I was like, are you sure this is a good idea? He said, yeah, yeah, it's going to be fine. So anyway... I'm in their fucking photocopier cupboard for like half an hour. The runner comes to get me. I'm walking in. I'm so scared that I've shriveled penis-wise for an inch from my life. There's just like, there's no penis in the speed. There's just bush. And I've, I, 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 I walk into the room. Like, I can't see. My goggles are misting up. And I lift them up. And Ben Frow says, hang on, hang on. I just want to stop you there. He says, if you think... He says, firstly, I'd like to give you a formal apology because I think this is really out of order. And secondly, I want a written apology on my desk tomorrow from someone senior at the company because if you think you're getting a commission because you're in Speedos and I'm gay, you've got another fucking thing coming. <laughs> so I was like, right, well, obviously I'm going to leave now. And Grant was like, let's go, let's go. So I was like, really? So I sat down, opened the PowerPoint. I was like, wouldn't it be interesting if we all got naked? Ben was like, no. <laughs> wouldn't it be interesting if we had to judge ourselves as an office on who was best naked on holiday? I was like, no. So I just shut the PowerPoint and then you're just sitting there again in silence. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> Let's have another tape. We, we, asked, uh, we asked the final tape. We asked uh, a number of people that the, what is the secret to the perfect pitch? I'm not sure there's an absolute secret because a good idea, even if badly pitched, is still a good idea. And I'd hope that we could see through a mumbly pitch. But the, possibly a secret ingredient is enthusiasm and passion. If you believe in the idea, there's much more chance I will. The secret to a perfect pitch is loving the idea you're pitching. So if you love it, you'll pitch it brilliantly. It won't take a lot to get passionate. You know, if you really love something, you'll pitch it well. So I think that's kind of, you know, the secret only pitch stuff you're passionate about. I would say the golden rule of pitching is just be prepared. Sounds really obvious. Be really prepared and make sure that you really, really like the idea. We've all tried to pitch ideas that we don't like and it doesn't work. They can tell you don't like it and then when they start raising objections, you're thinking, yeah, you're right, it's crap. You should absolutely believe in everything that you pitch, which usually means, if you really think about it, there aren't five ideas you want to pitch, there's actually only one. Always go into a pitch loving your idea like a newborn baby. People will actually look you in the eyes and they'll say, only take stuff that you really believe in. And the truth is, it's not true. Ha, 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 ha.
variety of stuff, some that you believe in more than others, you're quite often surprised that the project that you like least, they like the most. So I don't believe it when producers say, only take stuff that you believe in. I'll come back to haunt me. Okay, so um, a, final, a final tip from our top panellists. Uh, what's the secret to a perfect pitch, Karen? Um, I think it's uh, psychology and <laughs> a decent room to pitch it in. Um, just, yeah, uh, take away their objections before they can raise them and um, <laughs> bring it to life. And I actually, you know what, never give up. I know these guys say quick no, but the number of times that you, uh, you can give up on an idea too soon, I think, um, and if, it, if it's good, stick with it. Mark? I'd say, you know, I, I would say keep, if, if you're doing an ideas pitch, keep it to three ideas. I would say really think hard about the audience that you're pitching that show into and, and watch the output of the channel. And another thing I'd say is, is try, and be aware, you know, try and be aware of what that department has commissioned recently, you know. Really, there's so many people who don't know the output of the channel that they're pitching into and don't really know what that department's commissioned recently. But my biggest thing is no more than three ideas, please. <laughs> Jonathan. Uh, I used to go and pitch a lot of ideas in a meeting at once because I thought that if they said no to all those ideas, they didn't like me or it was all, you know, that, that sort of rejection was sort of hard to take. And I think what changed is uh, since we started our company now, we... I'm sorry to say, I don't really read briefs. And I think this thing that you go to one channel only with this, uh, I have to say I've been to different channels sometimes with, um, uh, with ideas. But the, 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 the key difference about that is we will sit down and think, right, what do we want to do? Do we really want to do this idea? And what's interesting then is you go with a tape and you say, this is our one idea. And if the meeting ends after 10 minutes, so be it. But you go with that one idea and say, right, this is it. This is what we want to do. And if that, when that happens, it's quite interesting to see because you know that you love it and you know that it will probably work. And then some people just don't get it. And then it's not about you anymore. It's like, OK, you haven't got that. And some people go, um, I really love this. And then sometimes you have lots of channels bidding on it at the same time. Oh, you shouldn't say that. But that does, you know, the, the shows that we've loved most have Why had... Why you say that? Yeah, well, that's it's such happened. a British thing. It is, it is a bit it? of a dirty word that you think, oh, you know, I'm just going, I'm just going to this one channel. Actually, if, when we had Pineapple, we had four people trying to bid on it. When we had GPs, there were three channels trying to get it. And that becomes quite an, that becomes quite an interesting sort of switch, I think, when you... It's no longer about whether they're rejecting you or thing. It's just like, well, do you like this or not? And I think the key thing is, it's not actually about getting a commission. It's about trying to find someone who you think, as a partner, you want to work with. Because nowadays, all the commissions at Channel 4 and things, they're going to be all over your show, like a rash, um, as a sort of another exec producer. So you've got to think, I want to work with that person. So there's some people you go into a pitch with and you think, actually, this is never going to work. You probably don't like me. I don't like you. It doesn't really matter about the idea. I think the thought of making a show with you is like, truly terrible. So, um, <laughs> you know, we won't do this. And so there's probably only about six or seven people I really go and talk to because I think, actually, we probably get the same things. That many. And Saida, what's your, what's your top tip? How to God, pitch? I haven't got much to add to that. I mean, I think, you know, I really believe in your idea. I mean, I know that, not what Jim said, but I think that is really important. And also, just understand tonally what it is you're pitching to the channel. And also, I'd say a really big tip is to be sober. Um, <laughs> don't come in hungover or drunk and then don't vomit into a paper cup halfway through your pitch. That's never a good idea. That didn't get commissioned that day. Um, but, yeah, no, I think everyone knows. I mean, it's the same thing. Just, you know, if you... If it's, if, 
if you, it's a really good idea. We, all, we just want to commission really good ideas. And it's just as simple, it's as simple as that, really. Okay, so earlier on, we asked you, the audience, to pitch us your best pitch stories uh, in competition for our glittering prize of three Snickers bars. And interestingly enough, we have, a, we have two good ideas. Uh, so we're going to make the people who sent them in pitch them. Uh, can we start with who sent us the idea on uh, the Christmas idea? Who was that? We both the Fiona's going to tell a story. You're a very hard act to follow, you lot up there. I've never laughed so much in a session in my life. Um, so we were asked to pitch for um, uh, kind of two times one hour's kind of um, comedy travelogue to go out around Christmas. And we had the debate whether we come up with lots of ideas or just one really great idea. So we plumped for coming up with one really great idea, which we thought was a really great idea. And we hired somebody in and we got them work it up. And it was about um, searching for Santa. So um, it is better than it sounds in the title. <laughs> and um, we went in to pitch this idea. And we said hello, and we'd just come back from holiday, and blah, blah, blah. And the commissioner said, yeah, I really wanted you guys to pitch for this slot because we didn't want to be pitched anything really naff, like searching for Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and um, we had no other ideas with us that day, so we didn't really have anywhere to go. Uh, he says we pulled it back. I'm not sure we did, but there you go. Thank you for that. And we have a, somebody who sold a show successfully to Jane Root. Who's that? They may be looking to protect their anonymity, so I'm going to read this one out. Oh. Is that it? <laughs> I'm afraid it's another testicle story, and Jonathan and I obviously need to catch up. <laughs> I, too, have pitched with a testicle hanging out. Uh, <laughs> but Jane Root preferred my testicles, and she commissioned the show, so it turns out it's all about the quality bollocks you pitch. <laughs> so there you go. This is a democracy. So who's going to vote for the Christmas um, Searching for Santa story? And who's voting for the, um, the bollocks story? That's our winner. Thank you very much. Um, the three bells of Snickers go to you, sir. Perhaps you give one to Jonathan as well. Um, so thank you very much to Karen, Mark, Jonathan, and Seda. Thank you very much to the audience. Thank you. Well, that's it. That is the end of this week's programme. Thank you to the session's producers, Anna Blue and Will Spokes, who are joint head of programmes at Princess Productions. Thanks as well to The Guardian Edinburgh International Television Festival, who allowed us to share that session with you. We'll be back with a new programme in two weeks' time. Until then, I've been Ollie Mann, the producer Matt Hill. The media podcast is a PPM production. Bye-bye. 
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.